Welcome to the Contraception Pod. I'm Maya and I'm the Catholic. I'm Cassidy and I'm the Protestant. At a gala at Trump Hotel, never meeting each other prior, Cassidy quietly came up to me in the bathroom and said, What are your thoughts on contraception? This question turned into a never-ending discussion that we decided to take on a podcast. So join us as we discuss contraception and how it affects our world. Hi, listeners. Thank you for joining us for the 23rd edition of the Contraception Pod. You're in for a unique episode of this show. There is so much value in getting to know the people behind the things we listen to. So today, Maya and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're going to talk through a bunch of random questions and also see how we can tie those back into contraception. Yeah, I mean, since you probably know us as the Contraception Gals, what a name to go by, you know, um, we're like, you know, we want to we want you guys to have an opportunity to get to know us. We also don't want to go too off topic of like what this what this um, episode, you know, what our our whole like podcast is about. Um, You'll find something big about me is that I like to say like a lot, like a lot. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, I like to say um apparently whenever I listen to these episodes I'm like uh. <laughs> um there's my um for you uh there's an uh okay so I have pulled up 60 questions to ask someone to get to know them better um oh there's an um we should really be counting ums in this episode but we're gonna start with questions about family and community here's number one who is the most important person in your life and why? And I'm going to add in there besides Jesus, because we all know he's number one. Yes, so true. Should I go first? Is that good? Sure, go for it. Okay. So the most important person in my life, it's kind of hard to answer this question because I don't want to like offend, like say family members or someone, but, um, but I would say personally, probably the most important person in my life is probably my mom. Honestly, she, I was gonna say the same thing. What? Okay. Okay. I'll tell you why my mom though, because she is such a sacrificial person. My mother is an incredibly diligent and hardworking person, very humble, gracious, hardworking, silly, you know, just so many great things about her. Mm-hmm. Um, with everything that went on in my family growing up and eventually my parents getting separated, it kind of, it was a big change for my mom. You know, she was a stay at home mom for years and just it's so incredible in that. Like she was, she homeschooled us and like so much of who I've become is because of my mother, yeah. you know, her pouring into me, her educating me and teaching me. It's odd to think like all the little things I know how to do my life, like tying my shoes. I know how to do that. Cause my mom, you know, use, knowing the alphabet, I know that cause of my mom, you know, uh, so she just made a huge impact and she was very sacrificial. And after being a stay at home mom for a number of years, she had to go back into the workforce so that our family could, you know, stay afloat and keep going. And she's been just so gracious to do that working super hard in her current position. So anyway, there are a couple of random things about my mom that make her really special to me. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think my younger self would laugh and be like, your most important person is your mom because I spent so much of my life like just focused around like my friends and how they saw me and, you know, and they were just so, their opinion of me was so important. But what I've realized like as I've grown older is that the reason my mom is the most important person in my life is because I don't care what she thinks about me, you know, like, you, you you know what I mean? Like she's someone that I'm so close to and she's so important to me that the way that like, I don't, I know, like, I think it's important what she thinks about me in some ways, but like, 
she's, I know she's not judging me. You know, I know that I can turn to her with anything and everything. And I can talk to her about everything. And when I'm having trouble in my life and my relationship and my, you know, in my relationship with my boyfriend or my friends or anyone, um, mm-hmm. my family, I know, always know I can turn to her at any time. Like my mom and I, you know, we're both very strong-willed persons, so persons and mm-hmm. people, people, you know, um, and so, you know, we get up in arms sometimes, but like, I always know that within 24 hours at, well, not even 24 hours. Like I know even then she would still like hug me and hold me, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that, and also like her vulnerability has shaped me into who I am today and mm-hmm. why I'm, I am here talking on the screen right now. She, you know, and she put me in speech and debate and she helped me follow my dreams. And she told me I could do it even when I didn't think I could, she believed in me. And so I would say like, that's number one, you know, most important person in my life. Um, And so, yeah. um, Yeah, like when I'm with my mom, I know I'm at home, you know, Mm. so Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's amazing. And your mom is like, I've met her and she's just incredible. Mrs. Abraham is really inspiring. So I could totally see why you'd say that. Yeah. Um, I also surprised her a couple weeks ago and I was very happy. I went to Africa this summer, y'all, if you didn't know that yet, went to Africa this summer and I decided to surprise my family and actually go home to Texas and instead of to my home that I have here in Virginia. So I snuck up on my mom and she was so like happy to see me. You know, when someone's just so happy to see you, it's like, yes, like, you know. So anyway, um, that was such a cute video. That's on, I think it's on my Instagram. I'll just look it up if you need, like just I'll a really heartwarming video. <laughs> I'll try to share it again. Yeah, when this comes out. Um, okay let's talk about this. And I think I can relate this well to contraception. How many close friends is ideal? Ooh, I think I'm the type of person personally where I would rather have like just a few like awesome, like true friends than having a thousand acquaintances. So I don't know how many close friends are ideal, but I'm also not one of those people. Like, did you ever like growing up, Maya, did you ever see those girl friend groups where they just- clicky and they don't really even like each other but they just hang out together I I never wanted friendships like that (laughs) oh and to take that back I to take that back to contraception you know I feel like a contraception world has created a very competitive world and so I've really seen this especially in public schools is we have friendships simply because of survival because they're cool so they're going to get me to a cooler level and that's why I'm friends with them which is not really close friendship right but they pretend they're close and all these things and if you watch this video that we posted on our contraception pod it's called the economics of sex and in that it it it, it, it basically shows how contraception contraception has led women to be competing against one another to get a man because because men can just choose from whoever they want nowadays and it should truly be the other way around the reason the man gets down on one knee is because he's asking the woman who gets the choice who says yes or no but i believe a contraception contraceptive mentality which is no contraception specifically hormonal contraception i cannot talk today has truly ruined our women, you know, like hormonally, right? Like we talked about in our last episode, what that government study had said was that a woman on on hormonal contraception cannot be considered to be herself, right? But the way that we are kind of just like 
throwing ourselves at men, you know, is, you know, it is this society that I think contraception is spread. Would you agree with that, Cassidy? Like, yeah, I could see definitely some ways that contraception has changed friendship and then like our relationship with men. That's a really interesting video that you found about the economics of sex. Cause basically part of what it says is that it used to be that women used to in a way require a more high quality pursuit from men. So like that men would have to be good pursuers that were respectful and that were honorable and not players, not after multiple women, you know? Um, but then with contraception now, nobody, none of these women supposedly are at risk of getting pregnant. And there's a big change of um, sexual morals to where now it doesn't require a man to have this grand pursuit of her heart. And then um, he has this woman, but it's like, he could casually just go after many different women. And, you know, like you're saying the public school kind of clicky girls, like maybe part of why it contraception could play into that is um, as far as you're saying with the competitiveness and feeling like you're you know, who's the prettiest and who can wear the coolest clothes and who can fit in the best, you know, it's that that's such a, a shallow friendship, but maybe part of why contraception has influenced that is because instead of just seeing women as, and you know, women around us as people that we can be friends with and support and care for, now we are competitors to be, pretty much to be used for our bodies, which oh, is so yeah. and, and I, and I think that's so true. Like, this idea, like, I feel like women back in, you know, back, I don't know, back in the day is when I say, but women, we should be supporting each other. We should be helping each other be like, Hey, you know, that's not a good guy. And we should be respecting that opinion. We should be like, have such a close knit community, right. With, you know, maybe your five close friends, by the way, my answer would be five. How many close friends is ideal between five to seven is what I believe is like, according to like therapy research and everything that that's like the ideal like it's not too many but you have enough to where it's not like you're clickish or you only have that one person to turn to so when you're not close with them for a little bit or something happens now you have no one to turn to right um anyway um to add to that though going back to like this idea of like contraception it 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 creates this very competitive very a lot of competition between women right for a man instead of actually being on the same team um and i think everyone can kind of maybe go more from there and also economics is sex i think i believe talks about that at the end about how it's created women to compete against each other instead of men competing against one another to become better men so that they you know be higher standard higher quality in men now it's just women you know who can show really what i feel like is the most body um Okay, this is kind of a kind of goes along with this. Um, have you ever broken up with a friend, like a friendship, like breakup, and why? Ew, like <laughs> just a friendship and not like a guy you're dating. <laughs> um, that's up to you. I don't know. I I've had like actual breakups with guys. Um, friendship breakup. I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean. Mm-hmm. I'd say as far as with other women, I do my best to not do that. Like, don't get me wrong. I think friends kind of, sometimes they come and go. Like, sometimes you're really close to the friend, yeah. maybe because you're involved in the same thing or you're in the same class. And then maybe you might just fade out for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never been like, all right, you're terrible. I'm not talking to you. You know what I mean? But I will say that with guys, like, there can be, like, I think there is that difficult line of like, okay, is this your friendship or are they beginning to pursue? I've had times where there's been confusion with that. I have cut off friendships with guys where I'm like, this is not okay anymore. Like if a guy is at first indicating interest and then is 
maybe being more player-like, I have cut those types of friendships off before where I'm like, nope, I am not going to have my heart messed with. And so I, I would say with other women, I strive to be as like low drama as possible. And I also want to be like drama with men either, but just like if a guy is trying to get to know me intentionally, but then I find out that it's not a very honorable pursuit, I will cut it off if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, along with that. So I've had a couple friendship breakups. What just really, I was really young, like eight or nine, just kind of dramatic. But one thing I would always tell people is like, I kind of let that, like, I love, even though I was super young, I, I think we were like eight or nine when it happened. It was like a big thing. Um, and it was just like this whole thing of like, it was just like a little childish thing. Like I told her that one girl said that, well, she told me that one girl said that I look silly doing this. And then like, I said, well, you know, she told me that you look silly, you know, it's just this whole thing. <laughs> silly stuff, um, yeah. Uh, but then like, anyway, you know, um, but uh, we never really talked again after that um, much, but we were really close friends for many years. Um, but then she ended up passing away um, uh, like a year ago. And it was just like heartbreaking for me. Cause I was like, you know, I like, I told her I was sorry. Like a couple years later, we went on a mission trip together when we were 16, but I never like healed that friendship. And like, in me, I was like, oh, like it was my fault, which we were just children, you know? But like, um, I always say like, love always over your ego, you know? Um, because I think that broke me the most when she passed away. It was like, yeah, like I said, sorry, but we never able to heal our friendship after that. And that was like the hardest thing at her funeral was, um, never like really having a conversation with her again. Um, and then only one other time have I really had someone like, tell me like a girl, I mean, tell me like, Hey, like, I don't want to be friends anymore. Um, but, um, but those were all when I was pretty young. So like, I didn't really even consider them like, you know, like it was just kind of yeah. kind of thing, but I guess like to go along with what Cassidy's saying, like guys who were friends and then like, you kind of have to end things. Um, yeah, definitely have done that. Um, yeah. Um, uh, I really only officially done it one time. Um, but like other times I've just kind of really backed away from them, like not responding to their text messages or not intentionally having conversations with them anymore. Um, just because maybe like both of those guys that like, I'm talking about that, um, that I just kind of distanced myself from, like, I could feel myself like kind of falling for them, but also being like, oh, they don't respect me well either. So I'm just, you know, I have to back up from that. And then the only other time I really like that I can recall that I've like, um, I've been asked that a lot, but not by like friends, you know, um, just random people. But like this one particular friend of mine, he, um, he, um, yeah, like, you know, we went to a dance as friends, right. And, um, went to another dance as friends because like, it was, it was my first year at that school and he was, you know, he was one of the only people I knew and he asked me the dances, you know, and then, um, yeah. And then it was just like this whole thing of like, um, of like he let me know how he felt and um I basically just responded I was like you're a great person too and then um <laughs> and then like you know it's yeah then it then it uh, let him know um to my I was I was a pretty scared 14 year old I just texted him and was just like hey like I don't see this going anywhere um I really don't like you you know like I did not you know 
I was not my thing, you know? So I guess like, yeah, that's, that's a little more about me. Um, and then, um, Cassidy, um, so like, as far as like an actual relationship, I, so when Pablo is like my first official relationship, so I technically have never broken up with someone in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank God for that. You don't want that either. So <laughs> we can avoid it. Yeah. But I also don't think it's, I mean, like, oh yeah, I know it's a horrible, I'm sure it's a horrible experience. Like knowing like in circumstances where I've had like crushes and it just didn't work out. Like, mm -hmm. I know that's a horrible experience, but like for any of our listeners, like know that there's always like it's not a bad thing if you've been through a breakup like yes it's a horrible feeling but I also don't like there's a reason that you you know that God led it to be that way and that's okay you know but in let yourself grieve through that I mean Cassidy can probably speak more to that but um yeah. yeah yeah I'm not trying to like call our listeners out that I've had a breakup like if anything do know I've had breakups I'm not being like oh if you had a breakup you must be bad or something <laughs> not at all like sometimes you've had a breakup because that's the right thing to do. And like, I got, it's, it can be confusing asking the Lord for discernment and clarity when you're getting to know someone, seeing this is someone you would marry, you know, with God's help, be kind and gracious, but hold those standards high. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah. that leads to a breakup. So yeah, hold those standards high. And you know what, if you're in a relationship right now and you feel like you need to call the stand, like you love the person and you, you see yourself being with them, but you want to call standards high. It's never higher. It's never too late to do that and do it. And, and if they're not willing to work with you, then maybe they're not someone, you know, for you to be with the rest of your life. But you know what I've dealt with that in my relationship too. It's like, I realized that there were boundaries and there were, um, and there were, different things I could be calling him, him and myself higher in that I had to do late year later in a relationship. Right. And that that's okay. You know, um, I was actually, I was talking to a priest this evening and he was like, you know, like the devil wants you to live in that shame of, of something that you did wrong or, or, you know, whatever it is in life, you know, whether that's your relationship or something, or you aren't calling the standards where you want them to be. And you haven't set that boundary light yet. Mm -hmm. What he told me was like, it's never too late to jump on the bandwagon. You know, <laughs> he was yeah. like, it's never too late. Like there's always forgiveness in God. And whether it's something you need forgiveness for or something that you just like want to see more of in the guy, you know, it's never too late to do that. Right. Even if you've been dating him for four years, um, do it now, you know? Um, and yeah, I was just, I, I, I guess I just want to put that out there. Um, that's something I've discovered in my relationship is, is, you know, it's not the end of the world and it's also not this thing of, Oh, I might as well just keep living in the shame or keep doing this thing because, because I've been doing it anyway, you know, like, no, you know, and um, yeah, and it's powerful. I've I've listened to stories of of like people um on YouTube, and I think like uh, I think who is it? Um, what is it? Paul and Morgan show like on YouTube, and um, and I think that's the name of it. They're Christian. They're Christians, and they talk about their faith on YouTube and everything. And she was talking about how, you know, she wasn't a virgin and, but she had to make that choice when she gave her life to Jesus to, to, it, it, she said like the struggle she had was like in her head, she was saying like, I can never go back. I might as well just keep, you know, keep on doing things like this because I've already, like, I'm not, I can never be a virgin again, but basically mm -hmm. what, what, what 
she heard from Jesus is saying like, I, you know, I can make all things do, you know, and you can choose from this point on to be a virgin. Right. And, um, and so she did, like, that was a choice she made, you know, um, as she grew older and gave herself to Christ. And so that's an encouragement, you know, um, for any of our ladies out there and for anyone listening is just like, there's always, you know, Jesus makes all things new and there's nothing impossible for him. And so don't let the devil lit, like, don't let the devil let you live in your shame, you know, don't let him trap you, you know? Um, but anyway, um, my next question is what is the worst seat on a plane? (laughs) (laughs) Some random aisle seat. Well, no, actually. Okay. It's like the one where you're, there's like three seats in a row and you sit in the middle and yeah and then you sit next to someone and they are really bored and chatty and they have to talk to you but you have to do work and you're like oh nice to meet you you know that's not my fave but what do you think Maya (laughs) yeah well as y'all probably know Cassie and I are on planes a lot I've been on four in the last seven days and I have a few more this week um and Cassidy's on them quite a bit too not as much now that she's not in and out of jail you know um, flying <laughs> to jail it's where I'm going <laughs> you know it's her favorite spot solitary confinement in the Alexandria jail um <laughs> but no um dang yeah middle seat honestly I have to say middle seat in the very back, because if you're in the very back, you like your chair is up against the wall. So you have to like sit up straight mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, you know, I always hate that on the plane is when people are too chatty and then you're like, dang. And then I always have to remember like, Jesus obviously wants me to talk to them. I really don't want to talk to them right now. And like, and people are like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, oh my goodness now we're gonna talk about pro-life and I'm like okay like I know I should take that as an opportunity you know but I'm like oh no and then I have this great story about that okay I was coming to live in like the DC area for a few months when I was interning for a pro-life organization out in that area which by the way is how I ended up eventually eating or eating meeting Maya (laughs) eating Maya um and so that was obviously a really great season but you know on my way out from Michigan to DC I sit next to this guy and his wife and he's like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Really kind, respectful person. And it was nice talking to him. And then he's like, so where are you headed or something? And I was talking about how I was coming to do pro-life work. He was pro-life. Oh my goodness. Pro-life. And then he's like looking at his wife, like, oh, are we we pro-life? She's like, pro-choice. And he's like, oh, he did not know if he was pro-life or pro-choice and had to ask his girlfriend. And then he, the conversation became very cringe because now he's like, oh, well, you know, he starts saying some random comment, like, well, I just think, you know, women really matter. Women need a choice. And I'm just like, you know, women are very valuable. And I was trying to say some comment to him. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this conversation just became so cringe. And now we have to sit next to like, the entire flight. Uh, <laughs> it was fine. It wasn't the end of the world. But um, my friend, Rebecca, who works for the same organization I work for, um, that's pro-life. She said sometimes if she doesn't want to talk about the fact that she works for a pro-life organization, she says, I work in bioethics. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> an idea for all you pro-lifers out there <laughs> okie doke are avocados overrated mm, maybe somewhat what do you think um I like avocados a lot so you'd say no <laughs> but like at the same time sometimes they're overrated but not really I mean they're pretty good 
They're really expensive though. So yes, they're very expensive. I hate having to pay like an extra two dollars to get avocado and something. I'm like, bruh, like (laughs) I'm like a college student, working woman here. You think I can like afford to add like two dollars or three dollars or four dollars of avocado to my (laughs) single meal? Anyway, that's a big struggle for me. Like I travel a lot. So you have to eat out quite a bit. And like Cassie mm-hmm. and I are both big dieters. I guess like we're not dieters. Like we don't go on diets because of something like like we think we're fat or something. Like I think I want to make that clear. But like there's just for our health. Um mm-hmm. and like supporting our fertility and being good stewards of our fertility. We just choose to eat cleaner. And um, so that and then like, but a big thing is like when you choose to eat cleaner, it's like so expensive, but then like, it's not filling. And so I feel like I should put avocado on so that it will be filling, will, will be filling, feeling, filling. I can't talk. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, I see what you mean though. Like I feel the same way when I'm in, I'm in the airport. It's just the worst. I mean, okay. Random question. Is the airport a major waste of time? I feel that way when I'm in the airport. I'm like, we sit here forever waiting for it to like load. And I understand that there are a lot of security precautions in airports. And, you know, we just passed the 9-11. So obviously for good and important reasons, you know, mm-hmm. there've been some really dangerous things that have happened to passengers in the past. And we haven't been as careful with air safety. So I get it. But at the same time, sometimes I'm just like, maybe if I drove this would be faster depending on where I'm going you know what I mean so yeah Yeah, no I think about that sometimes but I think like if it's a big distance like it's so worth it but sometimes I'm like dang like whole day my entire at least half the day if not the whole day I feel like I honestly really try to pick I really I I'm not a big fan but I do like red eye flights because they like they're during the night so I can sleep and I can actually sleep on planes for the most part, but sometimes I can't. So <laughs> us, I don't know. I've been getting more and more lenient with going to the airport and getting there a lot later than I, you know, should, you know, uh, mm-hmm. I got clear. So like, that's helpful, but yeah, I actually posted this on Instagram yesterday. I was like, should we board? Why don't we board airplanes from the back to the front? Is it's the most annoying thing when you're like trying to get to like, I normally like the middle. Yeah. And everyone's like stopping and putting their bag up so that they can sit in their seat. And you're like, bruh, like <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Are you a dog person or a cat person? Ooh, I am a dog person. I have had both. I've had a yellow lab named Bella growing up and she was very special. You know, we spent a lot of time with her, especially being homeschooled. I was at home a lot, hung out with my dog a lot. Um, and then I eventually had a cat named Tori. She was extremely naughty and extreme, like introvert. She would take her nails, like out of, she was like declawed the front, her back nails. She'd like stab into you if she was upset. So Yeah all you cat lovers out there must, must love getting stabbed by your cat. That's all I can say. <laughs> my cat. And when I was interning in DC, my internship director had two cats and one of them would like, just like lunge at me, like, and just like try to get their nails like in my arm. Like what is wrong with cats? Why are they seem so possessed? I don't know. Um, but then I currently do have a dog and she's very special. So I'm a dog person. Uh, How about you, Maya? Dog for sure. Dog for sure. Okay. Kind of um, changing gears a little bit here. Um, what do you currently do for work? I currently have three jobs. So I am a freelance photographer. I've been doing that for about six years. And then I also am working as a nursing assistant in a critical care unit. 
I worked full-time night shift for almost three years in healthcare. So I spent lots of time being awake all night. And then I also work for a pro-life organization. I work in marketing. So that means like social media and a lot of writing and that type of thing. So how about you, Maya? Yeah, I nanny two days a week to the sweetest children. Um, it was super funny. One of the kid, the, the little boy that I, I nanny two kids, but only really one because the other one goes to school. Um, but we were at the park today and I told him to go like talk to this little girl at the park. And he said, I can't, she's too beautiful. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's so sweet. That's and so then sweet. like his parents texted me later on today. And after I'd left and he apparently like, he was like, oh, where did Maya go? And, and, and they're like, oh, she left. And he was like, oh, but I wanted to give her a kiss. Oh, <laughs> that's really sweet. I love that. The bond is deep. <laughs> yeah. So I nanny twice a week and then I work for Jose Initiative and Great Life um, the other days. And I think I might have other jobs that I can't remember um, what they are. I'm currently very tired. I just got off of um, and I kind of like freelance speak to slash put on conferences meeting. Um, yeah, I make, you know, make some income from that. Um, yeah, so I just got back from Kansas, putting on, um, some events there that I spoke at and for organization. So, um, yeah, I travel a whole lot for work, um, like a lot. Um, so yeah, I have been traveling the last three weeks and everything else. So, um, oh yeah, I'm a college student. That's kind of a job. I believe you so. do all of that. It's so <laughs> <much>. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's kind of. Yeah, that's what I do for work. Um, I have one more question and then we're going to ask kind of like a question like what were three if you had like two minutes to tell someone about contraception and why you're against it, what would you say? But my last question would be like, what would you want people to say about you at your funeral? Ooh, wow. Powerful question. Um, have you ever used this guide planner called Cultivate What Matters? It's a little bit popular on Instagram. Okay. So each year I go through like this, like planning guide of like, what's important and how do you make like an eternal impact in your life? And there's a box in it where it's like, what do you want your legacy to be when you're 90? So I actually reflect on this each year. Um, when I'm 90, is that the question about like how old you are <laughs> at your funeral? Um, okay. So at my funeral, it is far more important to me that, um, that I was kind to people genuinely, that they felt loved in my presence and that they didn't feel like they had to like measure up and work to be accepted in a way that like, I do want to encourage people to like rise to a high standard and live a life that glorifies God. But I also don't want them to feel like they have to work super hard to get my acceptance. Cause I don't know about you, Maya, but I've had friends like that where it's like, they will never like include you or make you feel valued until you've met some type of standard of theirs. And like, I just don't think that's what God's love is like. Um, and so at my funeral, I want people to, I guess, to say that, I don't know, that they genuinely felt God's love in my life. And, you know, either plenty of times I've failed to do this, ask my wonderful siblings about my years upon years of, you know, bossiness and not being as loving as I should be. There are plenty of times I've failed in this, but so I guess being genuinely loving, um, someone, I want to be someone who's courageous. Like I really look up to 
like Joan of Arc and women from Christian history who knew God's calling for them. And then they just walked in that in its fullness, even if it had a high cost, like being burned to the stake, you know? So honestly, I've always wanted to be a martyr. So if I'm like a martyr in North Korea someday, that would be a great funeral. The body won't be there, but it'd be great. So courageous. Um, I, I really want to make sure, Lord willing, if it's God's will for me to be married and have kids, that I haven't lost sight of my family because I see that so much in this culture with women, this like hustle and boss babe culture of like almost like the only thing that matters about us as women is how much we can accomplish at work. And if we haven't been successful at work, we have no value. And in so doing, we have lost sight of our children. And, you know, having worked both as a nanny and working at a daycare at one point, I've sat and thought a lot about kids and what impact parents think they need to make on their children. And it seems like there's just an increased feeling that we don't have that much responsibility for our family. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to come to my funeral and be like, my kids are like, well, I didn't really know her because she was gone like 80 hours a weekend. I never saw her. So it's really important to me that no matter how difficult my kids are, you have to understand, like if you're listening to this podcast, you might think I'm a nice person, but like I was a really difficult child, very strong-willed. And I seem to have strong genes for that. So if I have kids, they're going to be really difficult to parent out, imagine like me. (laughs) And so like, I want to be someone that pours into my family, no matter how challenging that is. And um, like, I want to not lose sight of living a life that actually matters for eternity, you know, so not just getting caught up in being comfortable. It's so easy to do that, like where you're prioritizing, just staying in your comfort zone, only reaching out to people you feel comfortable being around, you know, but um living a life that actually makes a mark and changes the world for God's glory and not just to make, you known. it's okay to be small. Like that's a huge thing is if at my funeral, they're just a few people. And you know, like if I never became widely known, I would be so okay with that. (laughs) If nobody knows my name and I just go down to this tiny little grave and it's hardly noticed, I would be so comfortable with that as long as I lived the life that God was calling me to. So I want to be small, but faithful in my life. So how about you, Maya? Yeah, no, that's beautiful. Um, I want to be known for smiling. I want like, I don't like along with everything else Cassidy said, but like, I think that's most important to me is like, I want people to smile at my funeral because I brought joy to their life and they can reflect on that. Like most importantly, like the most important thing to me is how many people I bring to heaven with me. Um, And so I first want to be known for who I am in God's eyes. And so like, first of all, I, you know, like not the world doesn't need to see it, you know, but like, um, but that, and I want to be known, like, I want it to be known that I love Jesus. He was, uh, I'm Catholic that I am you know, I was against contraception, that I was pro-life because if I didn't stand for the most important things in my life, like, and obviously like my family and my loved ones, then what was my life to the world, right? Like, what was my life to me, right? And, Mm -hmm. um, and I always encourage people is like, it's so hard to be pro-life. So it feels so hard to be pro-life, like openly pro-life. But I want you to think about or anti-contraception, if you're listening to this and you're against contraception and you haven't felt like you felt scared to share it. I want you to think of your deathbed. I want you to think of your funeral. And I want you to think of the people there and how you have impacted them. And I, and just, just think to yourself, if you would have had the chance to go back 
and tell those people the truth that you were holding inside of you, would you regret that? You know, would you want to have shared such a beautiful truth, the beauty of fertility, the beauty of Christ and the beauty of life, right? Mm -hmm. So along with that, Cassidy, if you had about a minute and a half, not even maybe two minutes, but to tell someone, like if you were just talking to someone on the plane, you know, and they're like, you're like, oh yeah, I host this podcast. And they were like, why? What would you say? And you're you're about to get off the plane, you know? Yeah. I would say that I didn't get to have the opportunity to have very many productive conversations about contraception when I was younger. And the truth is that the history of contraception has changed extremely drastically in the last 100 years. We're at a very progressive point of history as far as the view of contraception, which was unchanged for approximately 1500 years of church history. So if you're a Christian or if you're a Catholic, like, you know, that should matter to you because there has been a drastic change that is significant because we went from having a view that both Protestants and Catholics agreed upon for, you know, thousand, like a thousand years. And now it's changed. Um, that should concern us. And we should think about why it has changed and if it's changed in a way that is biblical, or if it's just because the culture went after a certain wind and if we should follow that or not, and we should really think critically. Um, and also like, why the obsession with making sure that women never have children? Like, why do we believe that our empowerment comes from childlessness? Why do we believe we're empowered if we sleep with a man and don't get pregnant, but then go on to this like hookup culture? Like there's nothing fulfilling about that. God created relationships to, you know, between men and women of, of marriage to be fruitful. And that's not, that is not a curse. It's not a punishment. It's not something meant to harm you. Um, but it is harmful to us when we believe Planned Parenthood's lie that consent to sex is not consent to pregnancy. Um, and I guess the final aspect I would say about contraception is like, especially to Protestants, like this should, at the very minimum, we need to note this, you know, some forms of contraception are abortifacient. So IUDs, hormonal contraception, these forms of contraception can cause an embryo in early stages of human development to die. And that matters. So that's what I'd say in a short reply. Yeah. And just for the me in like 30 seconds, you know, exactly what Cassidy said, but, you know, just asking the question, like, why would you take, why would a woman want to give the most beautiful part of herself away constantly and should we like all the time right why do we have a culture that pushes out on women women why aren't we thinking about that why are we destroying the most beautiful it's destroying and depress and oppressing depressing you know the most beautiful part of a woman so that she can have sex with man as much with a man as much as she wants right why why did that why did we not have that why did the protestant church why did the catholic church not teach that until or you know you know the protestant church really but like why why was that protected by our churches until the, and the government until the late 1900s and so if i had to if i had just a short time to ask them a question you know i would just want to elite ask some questions that would help them critically think and maybe we can come up with some eventually but anyway i want to thank you all for listening hopefully you got to know cassidy and i a little better feel free to you know, send us questions and that you want to know about us because ultimately we're here because we love femininity. And so a part of that is how we promote femininity in our lives. So follow us on Instagram and thank you all for being here.